Salsa Music Stream. And now, your hosts, Scott, Jana, and Nine. You wanted the dirt on Tulsa. You got it. Welcome to Tulsa Music Stream, episode 75. We are about to be joined by the legendary Doug Pinnock of King's X. We appreciate you guys tuning in on a, what is this, a Monday evening. Yeah. it's a, We're getting the week off to a bang. Um, we are awaiting Doug's arrival. We want to remind you guys, uh, if you have not yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, we would really appreciate it if you would do that. There are all kinds of ways you can watch and listen to this program. You, if you just get on YouTube, search for Tulsa Music Stream. You can uh, subscribe and hit that notification bell so you know anytime we go live. You can also watch us live on Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch, and you can always see the replays on those platforms as well. Maybe you prefer audio. Maybe audio is your thing. You can hear us on Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. That's just a few of our uh, of our mediums that you can see us. Doug is joining us, so I'm going to get him in the room. Scott, how's your evening going? Hey, I'm doing okay. You know, it's uh, it's going to be a pleasure to talk to um, Doug, um, yes. King's X. Share and hit hit the notification bell on our YouTube pages and all that good stuff, so we can get as many people in here as possible. Yes, and the man himself has joined us. I'm going to put him on screen. Doug Pinnock of King's X, there he is. How are you doing howdy, tonight, howdy, sir? Howdy, howdy, hello, hello, hello. Hello, it's so good to see you. Thank you for coming with coming in with us on a Monday. We're getting this week You're off welcome. to a bang. So, hey, before we get into talking about the latest album, Three Sides of One, I noticed you did something really fun last week. I want to put this up on the screen. Tell us about this Ultimate Jam Night special event benefit for animal tracks. I guess you guys did this at the Whiskey, and you yeah. were part of that. Tell us about that. Well, um, a friend Jessica uh, Rojas, she um, she's the one who does put some on, and she works at a uh, animal place. I don't exactly know everything that they do, but but uh, she rescues animals and takes care of them, and it's just a really really cool thing. Um, I haven't really uh, how you put it, uh, gotten into the 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 what what it all uh what goes on there sure but uh she's just a good friend of mine and she's always wanted me to be a part of whatever that goes on so you know i'm always up for that that's cool do you get to hang out at the whiskey a lot with your buddies i go to the whiskey a lot you yeah. know it's not like the my favorite hangout or i'm always there but you know if somebody's playing there and i know them, i'm there you know and the whiskey's a cool place and in, i mean back when i first moved here when we started doing the ultimate jams every tuesday yeah, I, I think all of us that go there every Tuesday for like a year, wow. we're, we're, we're a part of the furniture, you know, the, <laughs> right. the, the bouncers and the bartenders, they all, you know, I walk in and, oh, Doug, come on in, you know, yes. yeah, I, I, you know, I put my arms up to be searched, I go, oh, come on, man, go, go through, you know, so it's good. <laughs> kind of reminds me of when Lemmy would be always at that game at the Rainbow. Yeah. Game. Oh, for sure. Yeah, He's right up the street. Yeah. I live this for about three blocks. Yeah, I've run into him many times before he passed away. Yeah. We even did a ben benefit concert for him. Uh, not a benefit, but a birthday party for him. Oh, oh about six months before he died. It was pretty, it was, uh, it was a fun time. And just knowing Lemmy, just the little bit that I do, he, you know, like everybody else, he was one of those people that everybody loved. He just had that, that vibe, you know. 
yeah absolutely. absolutely well let's get into talking about this album you guys have Hi. you guys have done you've done a lot of press about this so far this came out last september and it is called mm-hmm. three sides of one available everywhere on sony inside out music now this was the first album you guys had done in 14 years and from what i read mm-hmm. uh, it took a little convincing on your part to get ty and jerry on board to do this talk <laughs> yeah. talk a little bit about why that was the case and then talk about the process of creating it and recording it out mm-hmm. there in california Okay, I'll probably forget the second question, so you'll have to All tell good. me again. But, it's okay. but the first uh, first half is um, well, after we got done with X five fifteen, whatever you want to call it, it's not our fifteenth record, but we just kind of didn't know what else to call it. If it was our fourteenth or fifteenth or sixteenth, because we've got a live one and we've got a. A, a bootleg and we got all these things so he says oh what how many records have we got out and we just said let's just call it xv and we looked <laughs> at that because that's the way we do things but um when we finished that record the, the morale in the band there was just none um mm-hmm. and as far as we're concerned is you know that our heart wasn't in that record the way we wanted it to be you know mm-hmm. i mean i'm not going to knock the record because a lot of people love that record and say it's one of their favorite records and we put our heart into those songs and and um did the best we could but but we just the, the camaraderie wasn't there you know we just mm-hmm. felt like you know we've been doing this for years and nobody's buying the music who cares you know and we just was just kind of feeling blah about it sure. so time decided uh later on i found later because i didn't know why they kept vetoing my uh request to do a new record but i was told that they just felt like um we didn't have anything to offer yet and when they felt like we had something to really give our people something we could stand up and go you know we put our heart and life into it maybe they'd be willing to do it but until then you know everybody just kind of went to separate ways so i right. you know i put a couple bands together and did a couple right. things and mm-hmm. you know and you know you do what you do um and then one day uh i remember we were uh we were on tour because we never stopped touring we just stopped putting records out right and uh we uh were somewhere on a tour bus actually and we haven't done a tour bus in a while but um <laughs> i remember uh I, we were drinking wine and we were all pretty, pretty toasty. And I got, I got my confidence up, you know, because I mean, we, we are three, we love each other and we, we have been a band forever, but we're still very insecure people, Sure. you know? And so I wrote a bunch of songs and I'm thinking, well, I'm going to play them for them, you know, and see what they think. And I played them a couple of songs. I played them flood and swipe up and a couple other tunes. And they literally went, whoa i like this mm. and then i remember jerry saying well maybe we can do a record and then ty and jerry both said well i got some tunes want to hear mine and so wow. jerry played a couple songs that he did and ty played a couple of his and and we all kind of got excited again and and to make a long story short you know all the cards lined up correctly derek Schumann pops up uh, a good friend of mine who uh, played in a band called Gentle Giant in the 70s and um, uh, he he ran MCA for years uh, he signed Pantera and Bon Jovi and, and stuff like that so he's a pretty heavyweight and he's you know, King's X is one of his favorite bands and he would always come to LA and take me out to dinner like once a year and go okay when are you going to put a new record out <laughs> and right. I'd always make excuses and he goes I'll help you you know I can you know I can do whatever <laughs> and so finally 
finally one day I just says, okay, this is a deal. This is this is what we're looking at, and this is how we feel. Mm-hmm. And um, he took that and ran with it and got us a record deal and a, a good one uh, that we could go make a proper record, not you know the the ten thousand dollar deal that you have to do it at home like right. most record companies give you. But they gave us a real record budget where we can go to a studio and spend a month and do it. Uh, and, and so we did. We went in, and that's the first time we made a proper record with a producer and in a studio since Ear Candy, I would say. Right. I mean, and it's and, amazing uh, that you know, it's, it's charting, you know, was it globally your, one of your highest of your careers? Yeah, number 10 yeah. on the USA Current album sales oh, chart. Really? <laughs> number two on USA Current hard music album chart. So definitely very successful. Oh. I wasn't paying attention. That's awesome. <laughs> that, that's cool. that's why we're here. Yeah, we're here to keep awesome. you informed, man. <laughs> yeah, awesome, awesome. Yeah, that's so really that's good. How that, that turned out. You know, that's how, that, there's a whole lot of stories in between that, but now, that's the condensed version. Right. Did you mention, um, and I don't know if an interview that you you guys were still in debt, like. I don't know, some millions of dollars for, for record For companies. the old albums. Well, yeah, with Atlantic, those you know, six records we did with Atlantic, yeah, they, they, they spent about $2 million trying to make us super rock stars. Sure. And, uh, yeah. it, and then I, I, it was a great tax write-off for them, even though we still owed it. <laughs> yeah. But here's, here's the good news. Um, probably a few months ago, I can't remember how many months ago it was though but uh we found out through atlantic that they were allowing all the bands that they've had for years and years that nothing was going on with they decided to just give us our music back and let us do what we need to do with it oh wow and so they did yeah so they did so we have the rights to i think most of all of our music from atlantic again and uh we've actually been getting little checks in the mail <laughs> that's know, great that's, the, that's good the news streamings that's happening so so we're excited about that. So um, with that, a new, be- new beginning for us. With that being said, do you have now that you have the full rights back? Do you have any any kind of plans for re-releases or anything special that you guys would do? Well, I think most of the records are out on vinyl. That was the first thing that happened, right. um, and uh, uh, so that got done. But I uh, I have an archive of lots of bootlegs and lots of live shows, and I've got demos and songs that didn't make the record. Uh, I mean, I've I've got thirty years of it, um, wow. and and uh, I've been trying to just reel myself in to sit down and pull up all the hard drives and you know go through them, master them, and you know doctor them up a little bit and make a box set, a King's X box set. I'm still pushing for that, you know. Wow, that's incredible. Now, tell us a little bit about who produced the the latest album, Michael Parn, and how did you meet him, and what did he bring to the album? <laughs> Uh, I love Michael. Michael <laughs> produced my Strum Some Up record. Uh, okay. That was a solo record I did about maybe 20 years ago now. I've, I've, I'm so old, I've lost track of dates sometimes. <laughs> it's just like it's all runs together to me. But um, he did my first, uh, probably my fourth solo record. Okay. And, um, and then when I moved to L.A., um, he offered that I could stay at, at his studio until I found a place and figured out what I was going to do out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I slept in a tracking room, literally. There were amps, mm-hmm. and I, I, I put my computer up and put a put a cot on the floor. And for about six months, I lived there, uh, wow. just getting getting my bearings. And, and I figured, you know, the, I mean, it was a time when 
everything was falling apart in the music industry and in the world, basically, you know, the, the right. housing crunch, the everybody, all that stuff happened. So, you know, I wasn't making any money either. And, and I thought, you know, I, I can't barely afford to pay my mortgage. And I just didn't know what to do with myself. So I said, okay, I'm going to sell my house and just pack up my guitars and amps and some clothes and go to LA and wow. do like everybody did when they first started. You put it in your car and you sleep in your car until you get it. You know, I mean, sure. I heard there's so many people I know that did that. Um, so uh, I said, well, you know, as old as I was, I just thought, you know, why not? Whatever, what have I got to lose? Sure. And uh, so I moved out there and stayed with Michael for a while and got my bearings. Uh, so we became good friends and, um, and he's a master at, you know, uh, uh, Sonics, and he's engineered. I would say, you name it, he's engineered there. He's got right. stories from Snoop Dogg to this. Uh, you know, what's the guy that the rapper Sugar Sugar Sugar? Uh, what's his name? Sugar Nice. Yeah, Sugar Knight. I mean, he was around those people. You know, wow. where they they come in and go, "We want the masters of this record," and they go, "Well, can you pay us?" And they put the guns on the table and go, "We want the masters." Wow. <laughs> you know? there you go. I mean, yeah, he he's got stories, and he uh, he did sound for American Idol for about five or six years, and uh, he just did a lot of things, and he's just I learned a lot from him. Anyway, uh, he. Ty loved the Strum Some Up record so much that he was really impressed by Michael's production. Yeah. And so when we decided to make this record, I said, hey, let's get Michael, you know, and everybody went, yeah. And uh, so we got together with him, and oh, we had the greatest time. Michael is a funny guy in mm -hmm. a part of the, he's just a, he's one of those guys that keeps winding you up and keeps mm -hmm. you laughing. And, and him and Jerry especially really got along real well because their humor is really the same. Yeah. yeah. So we had some 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 really good times making this record. That's really cool. You know, talking about producers, and and we know we know that producers have a lot to do with how an album happens. And I know this next topic has been beat to death with you, and we don't want to just keep beating the dead horse. But Sam Taylor and his involvement in the, the first four albums mm -hmm. um you know it's well documented that 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 was a somewhat contentious relationship and it's also well documented that i think you guys felt that he got a little bit too much credit for the king's x sound and i don't know where your relationship is with sam these days but talk a little bit about that time period your mm. relationship with sam was it contentious from day one or was that something that just kind of deteriorated over the over the four albums well for me being a uh you know, having the spirit of an empath who can be manipulated and emotionally controlled, um, that was being done to me and I didn't know it. Um, and I don't even think he realizes it really. If you want to go down the rabbit hole, it's just people being people and how they work with each other. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, it was a, it was a hard time because I was always, it brought out all my insecurities, put it that way. Gotcha. Um, you know, being put under a microscope at everything that you do, whether it was Sam or anybody, w w was horrifying to me. So mm. so it was a hard time for me. Um, Sam was very adamant in a lot of things that he wanted us to do, and we uh, fought him on it. And um, most of the time he won. 
um, right or wrong. You know, I'm not saying he was right and we were wrong or whatever. Right. We were just a three-piece band that was set in our ways and wanted to do it our way. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, this guy comes along who's a producer who's supposed to direct us and guide us into a place where we need to be. Well, you know, it was very... It was meant with resistance, poor guy. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I would love to hear his side of the story. But, uh, yeah, we uh, we gave him a hard time in, in many ways. There was lots of fights and lots of shaming and hurt hmm. feelings. And to this day, I, you know, I still think about some of the things that were said and done. And I just go, oh, my God, you know, this is good for a movie. Right, <laughs> you know? right. But, um but at the end of the day, we created this music uh, that the world loved, and it, it changed a lot of people's lives and kind of put a new standard in rock rock and roll, you know? So I can't argue with that. Um, you know, the harmonies, people say that Sam brought the harmonies in, but we were always harmonizing. We were always doing that. I could play demos 10 years before there was Sam that we were doing harmonies and vocal things. But uh, Sam was the coach i think you want to he's like a football coach right um the phil jackson yeah he uh what was that movie hoosiers oh yeah i remember i remember seeing that movie and the coach that was sam that was i mean if you want to know who sam was watch that movie he the coach is who ty and jerry and i always felt that's who that guy was now sam took us to see that movie and he said, when you get done, when we get done with the movie, I want you to tell me who do you think you are in this movie? Oh, wow. And, and we left the movie and Sam asked us all what we, who we were. And we kind of ex- showed, told him who we felt we were as a, a individual in the movie. And we said, so who are you, Sam? And he, so we thought he was the coach. This is how we took it. Yeah. He was the little kid in the corner that everybody pissed all over and treated mm. like shit. Gotcha. That's how he felt he was. He was the guy that nobody cared, and he was nothing. And so at that point, I realized it, with that kind of a personality back in your head, what came out was sort of the opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, some people hide the, their true nature, and they take the opposite side. And uh, so he was, we considered him the mean, you know, ogre who was just making us, oh, you're not practicing, you're not good enough, you got to keep going, and blah, 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 who cares? And I'd write lyrics, and he'd go, who cares about those lyrics? You know, come on, work it. You know, he was really hard on us. Um, And as a result of it, yeah, we produced some some top quality stuff, I think. But sadly enough, to this day, those four records – I, I barely can listen to him because yeah. the baggage that I felt. Mm. Sure. And uh, it wasn't, a, I would say about a year ago, I, I literally pulled up out of the silent planet uh, and, and listened to it. And I hadn't listened to it since it came out. Wow. Um, and everything I hated about it, it all went away. Hmm. And I realized that it was what it was for the moment. Sure. And and I walked away going, okay, I'm okay with this now. But it's been it took me a long, long time. Um, I'm I got to get to Gretchen next. And yeah. I haven't done that yet. I I, I played <laughs> the first two songs in Gretchen. And I took took it off. I go, I can't do this. Sure. And um, 
But uh, hopefully one day I'll be able to get that one too, like other people did, because those records really affected people and changed people's lives, saved oh, yes. people's lives. Yeah. Yes. You know, there are people that are alive today. This guy told me his wife put the gun down when she heard uh, uh, Goldilocks, oh no, Summerland. Mm. And he said, and he said, me and my son want to thank you with tears in his eyes. Oh, wow. I, yeah. You know, how do you, I just, I mean, a, 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 um, a uh, LBGTQ, I say it right, uh, person came to see us play one night and uh, with a friend and uh, during Believe, I started uh, railing about believing in yourself and trusting yourself and not giving a rip what everybody else thought about you and all that kind of stuff. And the next year we came back to the town and this person came up to me with their friend and they wanted to talk and I went, well, what's up? And they said, you know, I was going to kill myself. But when Man. you said, don't care, don't worry about whatever people say and do be who you are and do what you do. Mm -hmm. And she changed her life and she's a woman now, but she's mm -hmm. alive and right. she's alive. Shall I say not but, but and she's alive. And so, you know, I know that uh, so many rock stars, if you want to call us that, you know, have those stories, but they do happen and they're out there. You just, you know, you go out there and you do what you do. And, uh, you know, an old scripture in the Bible said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Mm -hmm. And that's what I do. I just go out and be me and I do what I do. And what happens, be the trail that's left behind, every now and then I get to see the, the seeds that have been grown into beautiful, you know, flowers and trees, you know, so. Well, let know, me share something thing. with you. I want to, this is a mm -hmm. perfect segue. Um I want to encourage you this evening. I want to put a picture up here. I was going through your website and I got so excited. I found a section of pictures on there that are taken by a personal friend of ours named Jimmy Fusen. Mm -hmm. And I just want you to look at this picture for a minute. And if, if you ever are sitting in your room thinking to yourself, man, we just never got as, as commercially big as I had hoped. This is what you do for people. I want you to look at the way they're looking at you and the adoration they have and yeah. the joy that you bring. That yeah. is that is why King's X is big. You know, there, there's difference between big and commercially successful. You mm -hmm. guys are big because you have the longevity and you and you've had such an effect and impact on people. And you just see their faces. So always, always know what your band means to the world. Yeah. Have you ever stepped yeah. back, stepped back and, and maybe pinpoint what? might have not got you to that commercial success that you guys should have had um i don't think it was anything i do believe that we were just weird we weren't <laughs> what the normal the normal crowds just don't get it um this is the honest truth every time we play if we're opening for someone if it's a festival if we're playing for people that have never heard of us even a whole crowd of people we get a standing ovation we get the wow mm -hmm. but they don't go but they don't go by the records mm -hmm. well, you and know, it's always it, been that way it's but, always been the way from the day we started people yeah. were losing their minds but yet we still couldn't fill out a club it, we you know you, you got, to me you guys are always sort of like how rush is and how kiss is mm -hmm. they have a they have a cult following you know fans yeah. that stick with them you know you you can watch any king's x video live and you guys don't even have to sing your songs they'll just sit there and <laughs> sing every word and you guys just play the music and just let them enjoy their night and, and heck you could probably save your voice you know <laughs> 
but it's just yeah, amazing how the, the yeah. love that they give you yeah. guys back and, and and it must be appreciated and, and felt you know oh yeah you know it's always a surprise and you kind of you know when this is something that i not struggle with but i don't think people understand is when people love you and they let you know it and they do all the gestures that everybody would like to get um when you get it you don't know what to do with it Mm -hmm. you know it's like okay you know um somebody says what's it like being doug pinnock and i go well i get up and wash my face in the morning and look in the mirror and i see everything i don't like about my face i said that's how i start that's how i start the day yeah most of us you know i mean does anybody get up and go man i'm badass i am hot i am ready to get out here and move the world I mean, if I did that, I wouldn't be doing an interview right now with you. I, I want to talk a, a little fucking, bit of... I'd be an asshole, you yeah, know, I nobody want to be around me, you know. Sure. I'd like to talk a little bit about Eddie Trunk and Megaforce. Um, mm. Are you guys still good with each other, friends and everything? I talk you, to Eddie all the time. I love Eddie. I love yeah. that man. He, he, and comes he loves to, King's X and he lets me know. He comes mm-hmm. to Tulsa all the time and, and yeah. I've chatted mm-hmm. with him numerous times. We've had him on our show. He, and he's good friends with uh, one of our sponsors of our show, but great mm-hmm. guy. I know he was a, a a main part of signing you guys to Megaforce, and um, I know Johnny Z recently passed away. Um, yeah, and how, how close? How close were you with Johnny? You know, we weren't all close. You know, like we didn't talk every day, but we knew each other and we loved each other and we respected each other. And every now and then we could cut we be in contact with each other. And every time him and uh, every time we play, I think it was Sellersville, um, he lived, him and Marsha lived there and they would come see us and we'd make sure they got a VIP seat. And during the show, I would always call them out and say, if it wasn't for these two people, we would not be here playing for you. And they would always get a standing ovation. And uh, they were, they were one of those, they were some of the most wonderful people I've ever met. Hmm. Great people. You know, Doug, you've mentioned a couple times, and Scott and I are musicians as well, obviously on a smaller level, but you mentioned something that is just really ringing true with me. You talked about the insecurities that that you guys have. Do you feel, because I've always felt this way, I know this is a big reason why I play and why I started playing when I was 12, is that Mm -hmm. I am seeking that approval and adoration of people. Do you think insecure people that play music are really just seeking that approval from people and that is kind of why you play? No. um, I play because this is what I've been doing my whole life, but I know it's a part of it. Um, Growing up, where I grew up, um, a few things happened in my childhood which somehow triggered... uh, a self-shame in me uh and the only thing that's that seemed to get people's attention was when i sang Mm -hmm. and i i didn't i don't think i put it into words and it was something in my mind but every time i sang people cried people reacted Mm -hmm. um i remember the first time i remember someone crying when i sang she walks up to me and gets on her knees and puts her hands on my shoulders and prayed for me. Mm. That's how little I was. Wow. And I remember her praying, saying that God was going to use me and ask God to make me a leader and a healer and blah, 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 like, like most Christians who are praying for someone would do. 
And I remember it didn't matter to me. It didn't make any sense. I just kind of was going, this is weird. Why is she doing this? And I, I was looking around like, I hope she hurry up and quits, you know, so I can go play. Mm. And, um, but it's never, uh, it's never changed. And my reaction has always been the same. It's like, okay, they like it. Good. Yeah. Just keep doing what I do. Um, and through the years and through healings and through mental, you know, working out all the drama and trauma that I had in my life, I realized it's a good thing and I'm glad that I got to do it. And it was the way it's supposed to be. That's why people say, would you change anything? And I don't know. Now, not at this point. I finally settled into who I am. I like myself. I, I, I appreciate what I've done now. It took me 70 years to get there, hmm. but I, it, one day I just woke up and realized, you know, what's the big deal? Why are, why are you feeling this way about yourself? No one else is just saying, telling you that. Right. No one else ever did. The only thing that, the only rejection verbally I ever got was when I was three, when I woke up one morning and I went into the living room and I said to my great grandma, where's my mommy? And she said, she's gone. And I started going, well, I want my mommy. Where's she at? Where's she at? And I started really getting, I, I gave a temper tantrum, emotional temper tantrum of just panic. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. a three-year-old's mom's gone, you know, you're going, where's she at? You know, and my great-grandmother grabbed me and she shook me up and she said, quit your bellowing. She don't want to be bothered with you. Mm. And that was the day everything changed in my life it was like nobody loves you and nobody cares you know and the funny thing is it's 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 in the back of my mind it has never gone away they don't want to be bothered with you but yet here i am in your face right. doing what i do so it's it's sort of like a dichotomy in so many ways it's like i'm doing everything that my insecurities don't want me to do Right. And I got away with it because there's something in my voice that people uh, are attracted to. And I go, wow, it's, you know, what do you do? But you just go for it, you know? Certainly. Yeah. I wanted to congratulate sense. you for uh, being in Rolling Stone's top 100 <laughs> was metal uh, songs of all time. Yes. <laughs> and it was for, for Over My Head. Yeah. So congratulations that was a on shock. that. You know, that was a shock. I mean, last time we were in Rolling Stone, they um, they reviewed Gretchen Goes Nebraska, gave us four and a half stars. That's almost five. Mm -hmm. Most of the bands got that. Or it was, yeah, it was it, we got that standard. Great. You know, thumbs up. And they even gave us a good review on it. But at the end of it, they said it's a great record. If you don't mind being beat over the head with loaves of bread and fish. Oh goodness and, sakes! And that was and that was a time when, if you even said you were a Christian, you were just ignored in the in the music industry. You know, it was not cool. And the thing about us is, we were believers at the time, but we didn't want to be a Christian band. We wanted to be a normal rock and roll band that everybody just liked because they liked them, not judged because you didn't say Jesus enough in a song. Mm -hmm. And and um, so when that happened, it was like, oh. and I think, you know, that helped the 
that helped slow down the momentum for us. You know, we weren't like Striper who went out and, you know, the gimmick of Striper, whether whatever the motives were, there was a gimmick going on and the kids fell for it. The Motley Crue thing, the glam thing, you know, they did it. But we were just so weird and so different. And the the rumor of us being Christian, people just didn't know what to do with us. And if you were anti-religion in during the 80s, that's the way it was in the secular world and it was a kiss of death for you so it was a very big struggle for us you know i'm a hair metal fan i love hair metal and i I love heavy metal and you guys Mm -hmm. you guys were kind of sort of that bridge between you know that 80s heavy metal into the grunge and and you seem to have been um approved by both sides and you hung out with you know jerry cantrell the the, you know yeah all those guys and did you hang out with any of the 80s guys um well we didn't get signed till 88 right so um we didn't know anybody back in the day um um i remember going to seattle uh playing on our first record and jeff amit told me that everybody that was in a band was there because nobody ever came to uh Seattle and uh, if a, 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 a national act came, everybody went to see him. So as far as I know, and, and from a, a few other people that told me, like, you name the bands that came out of Seattle and they were all there in 88. And grunge happened in, you know, 90. Mm-hmm. Um, Allison Chains gave me their first demo. <laughs> um, I still have it to this day. In fact, wow. I posted it not too long ago. So cool. uh, Jeff Jeff and I hung out while they were winning Mother Love Bone, and I remember when he sent me uh, when when Andrew died, and he and he put together uh, Pearl Jam, and they were called Mookie Blaylock. I remember he sent me a, yeah. a cassette of that mm-hmm. with uh, Temple of the Dog on the other side, which nobody had heard of either. Right. Yeah. So it was like you know, I, and and then we can go back to Pantera too. I mean. I remember going to see Pantera and walking up to the dress room and Don says, Gretchen goes to Nebraska. Mm. That's the first thing he said to me, you know, and and the whole band, you know, uh, Rex calls me his mentor. He'll tell you to to his, to my, to your face, you know, (laughs) and uh, Don said there, you know, the the groove would not be in Pantera without King's X and power of love was one of his favorite songs. And he told me, uh, he, one night we got drunk and I was sitting in his limo and we were drinking and it was King's X that had played, I think, and he had come to see us and him and Rita, his girlfriend was sitting there and he started to tell me all about Power of Love and what it meant to him. And I'm going, oh, I'm going to to tell me. And Rita said, no, listen to him. And he sat down and told me Power of Love, every line of the song and every riff and what it meant to him. Hmm. And I went, wow. And Rex told me they'd go to shows and they're riding in their car playing King's X. Wow. So, um, you know, I remember talking to Jerry one time. And I said, Jerry, we played that shit out of Allison Chains. He <laughs> says, we played that shit out of King's X. <laughs> you know, so, and I remember Laney said to me one time, uh, I think it's going to rain, that the melody. And he said, I'm doing you, Doug. And I'm going, oh, and yeah. I gave him a big hug. <laughs> And I, he, I felt like he was my little brother, you know. And they used to say to us, we can't wait to open for you guys, you know. Oh, man. Well, <laughs> the harmonies are very similar between you and Alice in Chains, yeah. you know. Yeah, there's a similarity there. They brought the darkness of us and whatever, you know, and their their side of who they were 
kind of a combination of it and and i feel a part of them i feel a part of pantera too you know and mm-hmm. and they feel a part of us you know because we all pushed each other you know yeah um I, I remember you know hearing you know i remember when we did the dogman record and i thought you know everybody's dropped detuned now and everybody's heavy as they can be with all these melodies what do we do I go, well, I'm just going to tune down lower. And I wrote, wrote, black, I wrote Black the Sky, you know. And I thought, you know, we were all pushing each other. I remember hanging with, uh, or talking to Chris Carnell, and we were making the Dogman record, and he was, they were making uh, Super Unknown. And uh, we were talking about how we need to start crooning a little bit more and stop trying to scream so high, you know, because <laughs> right. we're, we, you know. And uh, so out comes Black Hole Sun and... Uh, uh flies and blue skies you know it was right. like you know there was just such a camaraderie between all of us in in so many ways and you know funny thing is in most of the bands that i've ever come across there might be one or two super king's x fans in the band the rest of them could care less about us hmm. but our influence you could hear it in their music you know yes. and uh i always I always smiled and go you know Doug, don't don't feel bad about anything because you're a part of rock and roll history some of those riffs that those people are doing are your riffs yeah that's so true i'm going so uh you know i'm okay with that yeah there's some um, there's something to be said there's something to be said the good thing about it is those guys will talk about it you know i don't like to talk about it i don't like to tote my toot my own horn but i love it when when they talk about how we affected them in the stories, when the King's X book is a real good book about that. We asked a whole lot of rock musicians who said they love King's X to give their little two cents on King's X. And half the book is from super, super rock stars who talk about how we affected them. You know, from Andy Summers, who says we're his favorite band, mm. to, you know, down to Billy Sheehan says I'm his favorite bass player. It's like, wow. come on. It's like, it's awesome. what, do you, what do you do with that? And I want to go tell everybody, but you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't, what does it matter? <laughs> you know, it doesn't. It doesn't matter because they're not going to go play at King's X and go, oh, I get it. They're well, still going to go to their favorite bands and do what they do because it's all about the soup. Sure. You know, it's just the soup. We just we're all an army of moving forward. Doug, have you always used distortion on your bass? Is that something you were incorporating into your bass tone yeah. in the early days? Yeah, um, I remember I first started playing bass when I was 23 years old. Can you believe that? Wow. And uh, uh, I remember uh, about a year later, no, it was around that time I heard Roundabout by Yes. And I'm going, what is this bass tone? And I remember putting on, on the Who record, Live at Leeds. And talk about my generation, that song. And there's one spot where the bass... Uh, John Entwistle plays this just lead, and he did his thing. And I went, what is that? Hmm. And I had never heard a tone like that. Mm-hmm. And so I went to the music store, and I asked them, how do I get that sound? And they didn't know what I was talking about. Um, but I did my research. took me a, a year or so, and I found that it was Roto Sound Strings. And so I got me a set. They were real expensive. I had to really save up for them. And um, there was, there was that, that clangy kind of tone. Um, and then when I moved to Florida with a friend of mine, um, I had these two cabinets, these Ampeg eight, uh, eight, I'm sorry, these Ampeg 18 inch 
cabinet mm -hmm. speakers. And it was a very old Inijam, Benijam. And you, and the amp was inside the cabinet and you moved the latch and you turned it over <laughs> and then the amp was there and then you turned it over and put it back in. This is how old this amp was, okay? <laughs> and I played through that amp and it was just, you know, the Jamie Jamerson, big bassy sound and I, I rocked on with it. But one day this kid comes to one of our rehearsals back in Florida when I had just started playing and he had this amp, a trainer amp. And he says, try this amp out and I plugged into it and it was like, it went clang, 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 and I'm going. This is it. Oh, wow. And so, uh, so I, uh, I actually, I literally gave him both of those cabinets for the head. Huh. Now I should have gave him one. Right. And kept the other. No, I do, I wanted that amp so bad I didn't care. And uh, I remember he looked at me like, you are the biggest fool in the world. Oh, jeez. But I didn't realize I, he was thinking that. But now I look back and go, wow. So, he, you know, he took the cabinets and I kept the amp. Mm -hmm. And that's my sound. And I played through that amp until uh, for 10, 15, yeah, about 15 years until um, we got a record deal. And then I started getting guitar heads and, yeah, and you, you have a new in on it. You have a, your Tech 21 pedal and your signature oh, yeah. signature bass. And, There's yeah. the pedal right and there. And you got a head. Yeah. yeah. Dude, tell so tell us exciting. a little bit about your endorsement here. Well, Rudy Sarzo came over last week and said, Doug, I want to try out your pedal. And so I set it up, and we sat here right in the studio, and he just went through it, did everything he could to just see how he liked it. And he says, I'm going to have to get me one. And he says, well, they're playing. they were playing the whiskey that the next weekend i said why don't you take the pedal with you huh. and so he dialed it in and we went to see him at the whiskey and oh my god he sounded so good really and he says he says doug this pedal makes me want to play it makes me feel uh. like i'm having fun again and awesome. he just he said all the things that i wanted people to say about that uh, that the um the, the pedal and you know people are chiming in so you know it was the number one selling oh no it was the number five in the top sorry it was in the top five number one selling pedals at clearwater when it first came out Man. and uh bass player magazine gave it the best pedal of the year i think wow. what i forgot what year it was and uh, it, it's really a good pedal um what it does is whatever tone that you're used to playing with mm -hmm. it exaggerates it and makes you want to go to it Hmm. It's the fun. It's the fun of it. It makes you. It makes bass playing fun again. I've. Um, I'm a tone freak, and I've been a tone freak my whole life. Bass treble, mid range. Mm -hmm. As a kid, it was like there would be knobs on the stereo, and there would be a tone knob, and I'd turn it back and forth to get the sound <laughs> that I like, even though they slap my hand and say, "Dougie, don't touch the stereo." Right. I need to sneak over there and hear it. You're and, like, Mom, um, this this th needs to be corrected. Yeah, and <laughs> through the years, you know, I became the tone chaser. And uh, so I've learned uh, a lot of intricate um, tone bending mm -hmm. from my bass because Ty Tabor has the hugest guitar sound I ever heard, and then mm -hmm. you got to kick drum. Yeah. And you got you to gotta get the bass around the kick drum in this humongous guitar. Mm -hmm. And so I learned the EQ my bass and get the feeling of playing it somehow in that pedal and as a result of it 
I, I brought that pedal so many times to have people try out and they'll plug it in and then the band will start playing and all of a sudden there's bottom, there's warmth in the mix, there's tone, sound men come up and go, I use your pedal all the time now. Wow. I just put it up here and let the bass player play through it. It's it's user friendly. That's There's cool. not a whole lot. You, you don't have to fight to get the bass in the mix either. And that right. was always my problem is I'd go to shows and there, there's never bass in the mix. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, where's the bass? I mean, you got guitar, you got vocals, you got kick drum, you got everything. Bass, nowhere to be heard. <laughs> and one time I went to a ba- uh, went to the sound man at this one band was playing. I'm going, dude, where's the bass? Mm-hmm. And he said, he said, put these headphones on, and he chewed the bass up, and I listened, I'm going, I get it. Mm. Bass players, because the, the a lot of, I'm not saying all bass players, but a lot of bass players, because they haven't been able or know how to or had given the opportunity to get the tone that's in their head, mm-hmm. they have to deal with what's there. And a lot of times it's a crappy tone. Right. And when you turn it up, when you turn your bass up, oh, you feel it, it's fun. It might not sound good, but you feel it. Mm-hmm. And and, the, and it's there. So that's, I've found that a lot of bass, bass players have just learned to go go with it, you know? And what, what I tried to do with this pedal was, instead of going for it, get the tone that you love no matter what the volume is, and stand there and just enjoy it, and then the sound man can take your sound and put it in the mix. Tell um, us a little. Tell us a little bit about your bass guitar, that Schecter. Oh man, um, it's got like one knob. It's a, yeah, it's a I've, always, I've always I've always had one knob. You know, um, even even through the years of playing bass, I never mm-hmm. used the tone knob, and I never turned it up or down. I just went, who needs it, you know, right. and. So, uh, yeah, one, and I thought it would kind of be unique since it's my, well, actually, no, I've had a couple signature basses, and I think they're all one knobs. Because mm. wow. Yamaha That's made cool. me some, too. And, oh, yeah, and Dean. I have some Dean basses. Yeah, every all of them are one knob. Okay, I have to, yeah. But I don't know. It's like I'm married to this tone. But now with King's X, is there's some songs that I don't want to have that ratty tone. I want to have this fat, like low, you know, just meaty tone. Mm-hmm. So um, I've learned to turn it off and just get the meaty tone too, like Flies in Loose Skies. And, and um, there's a few songs that King's X does that uh, like, um, um, hear from you, not me, um, um, nothing but the truth, or just some of those songs, they just need that Jamie's, Jamie Jamerson, like, you right. know, bass, that low, low end thing. And so, yeah. Um, so I hope I answered your question. No, you totally did. That's the, we we have a lot of musicians that watch this show, mm-hmm. and they would have mm-hmm. absolutely scolded us had we not delved into a little bit of your gear and tone stuff. Oh, do you have time for gear. a couple of viewer questions uh, before yes, we let you go? Yes. Okay, oh, Scott, do you have those pulled up? Yeah. Um, if you've got some, let, let's give him some. I have uh, this one from Scott Cooper says, Michael Wagner said they were the most talented band that he ever got to work with. He said he basically got the sound set and pushed record. That wasn't a question, but it was just more of a comment. It's um, kind of what he did. I remember being doing that, and I remember we somebody brought up uh, Goldilocks, and he never heard it. Mm. And he said, hey, guys, can you just, he says, people rave about this song. Can you play it for me? And Jerry went into the drum booth, and me and Ty sat in the studio and just played it. And Michael set up a mic, and I kind of sang it. Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And when we got done, he said, look at my arms. He said, I got goosebumps. Oh. And he asked us to re-record it for the, that record, and we did. Wow. Um, and I remember when we went into the studio to do th- that record, the, the, both records, actually, we would track a song, and the first time we would track it, he would, we would come on and go, so what do you think? And he goes, well, I don't know what to tell you. It's like, usually I always go back and do this and tell him to do that. And, and, you know, and I'll make him do this song like 10 or 12 times until I get the take that I think is right. But I don't know what to tell you guys. It's okay. Mm. You know, and that's how he was. It was, and you know, any, every producer that we've ever worked with has been that way. If they, they'll sit there and just go, okay. Okay, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know how to make this any better. Let's just kind of move on to the next song. Yeah. And uh, that's the way it was with Brendan, too. Um, you, you know, all those people. And, and it was a surprise to us, too, because with Sam, nothing was ever good enough. Mm-hmm. And he would just push us and push us and push us and push us. Um, and I realized is maybe he didn't know what was good enough. I th- but, uh, you know what I think as the a result of it we learned you know I think the I think the liberation you guys must have felt during the Dogman album to me mm. it, it translates into the finished product that is actually my favorite album that you guys have done I love Thank I you. mean me they're too. amazing it's just so good and there's so much emotion in it and this this is not related to that but I do want to ask you about this while I'm thinking about it one of my favorite bands in the 90s was no one hardly, hardly anyone knows about them was the Galactic Cowboys and I, yeah. I know that Wally Farkas has worked with you talk a little bit about Mm -hmm. working with wally wally is perfect pitched and wally is one of those guys that if you want to run anything past him he hears it he's Mm -hmm. just the guy he would be the fourth member of the band if we ever needed a guitar player oh wow he's the only he's the only guy that we could ever work with him and ty are pretty much best friends i would say me and wally are brothers you know um mm-hmm. and we run everything past wally um when we did uh three sides to one wally came out and hung out with us and mm-hmm. you know and it was his approval you know i mean we wally's the guy uh yeah i wish you could meet him he's a, he's an incredible incredible person he's funny yeah he's just totally disrespectful he's just He's just everything that you love in a human being, you know. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I hope he. I hope he hears that. Me too, Scott. You got anything else? Well, I want to talk a little bit about Let it, your song "Let It Rain." Um, oh, it's, good. A, it's a cool video. Um, the, the album's great. Um, Thank but, you. Uh, in in the lyrics you have where it says "Let it rain, wash the fear away." Exactly mm-hmm. what fear are you referring to in that song? Uh, I, I'm, I'm being political right now. Um, okay. Just, just you know, watching the way the separation of left and right, of religion and non-religion, of of straight and gay, of black and white, basically. It's just you know, this, there's no more gray. It seems like. And it's all driven by fear. All, everything, if you don't understand someone, then you're going to be afraid of them. Mm-hmm. And what's happening right now is, you know, there's so much information that 
that talks about the bad side of everything and then you equate it with the whole genre of people and then all of a sudden they're all the enemy a transgender kills a bunch of kids in the school horrible it was a transgender think about all the people that weren't right that did it right why focus on the transgender there are a half a percent of humanity mm-hmm. what's the big problem why are you afraid they're going to change your children that's not going to happen it can't happen I do agree. Kids don't need to know about any of that stuff mm-hmm. when they're young. Mm-hmm. They don't need to. A drag queen doesn't need to go into into a school with a six year old and talk about gender sure. identification. The sure. kid doesn't know what he wants to be. That's and right. And I do agree. I do agree that maybe you shouldn't get your sex changed until you're at least eighteen and you know exactly what the fuck you're doing. Mm-hmm. But but before that, nurture the person. Let them be a woman or a man if they want to be. Let them understand why they are who they are. But let's let's find a balance. Let's just not go everything works or nothing works. Right. You know, I, I don't get this 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 big separation and it's all because of ignorance and 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 basically non truth, you know, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean even even you know, I watched when, when if I say something that's slightly political and somebody throws in a politic and then somebody else comes in and says, you stupid idiot, you believe right. that stuff. And I'm thinking, but why don't you text that person and go, why do you believe this? Exactly. So give me, give me your reasoning because, you know, if you believe something so much, there must be a passionate reason why you believe that Correct. way. I want to know so I can understand, so we can have a, a intelligent conversation and come to a conclusion. Yes. I don't see that anymore. Nobody, it seems like people don't want to hear this, but I think a lot of people do. Probably the majority of people do. It's just the, the bad apples yell the most. Yeah, they're the ones getting all the camera time on the mm-hmm. on the news stations for sure. I couldn't agree with you more, yeah. Scott. Yeah, you it's anything like, else? like with, with Trump, it's like let let's find out what he did mm-hmm. <laughs> before we make an assumption. Right. It's like what I mean. What a way to politicize and make a lot of money is make a statement on a Friday, so the media can make a whole lot of fucking money. Yes. Arguing about it all week until Tuesday to find out what the verdict is, you know, and, 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 you know, wake up people, wake up. It's all bullshit. They're all doing it to make money from you. They're lying. Both sides are lying. Fox news lies out their throat. CNN just doesn't tell you what you really need to hear. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. People, people stop siding. If Look we, at the middle. If we do oh what you God. said, if we all sit down and listen mm-hmm. to the other perspective and how that person mm-hmm. got there, man, this world would be a better place in a hurry, you know? Yes, I think it would be. Definitely. Yeah. What you I got? Really do. If I was, <laughs> if someone was a new fan and they started, first started listening to King's X and they came up to you and they said, this song, Cigarettes. I think it's off a of dog. Dog man, yes. Mm-hmm. What yeah. is this song about? I wrote that song, and it isn't about anything. Um, that's the thing about Ty is, I write songs 
that I, that I'm dealing with, things I'm dealing with. Ty has a, a knack for writing just great lyrics about stuff, and and it really hits hard to people. But you can't you can't pinpoint it. It's like he he writes lyrics that you run with it and you find life in it. But there's no reason, you yeah. know. I write lyrics where. Well, this happened to me, and this happened to me, so this is why I wrote these lyrics. And that's the difference be, be, between him and I. Um, and cigarettes, you know, I remember asking, asking him about just the one line, have you gotten any cigarettes, and have you got anything from me? And what I love about that line is most people think that he's asking someone to go get him some cigarettes if they're going to the store, but he's not. He's saying have you gotten any cigarettes did you get anything from me so he the person went to the store to get some cigarettes and he said did you get something for me did you pick a candy bar up or something you give me a coke <laughs> you know that's kind of what he's saying wow that's and cool. then he says sometimes i think the pain blows my mind which is universal yes pain blows all our minds and i'm going he nailed that and that's what i love about ty's lyrics he nails another part of the psyche that i don't that I've, I haven't tapped into. Right. I'm always wearing my heart on my sleeve, you know. Sure. The, sure. the music to that song is beautiful. Absolutely. I, I like mm-hmm. the feeling it gives me. It kind of It's kind of a sadness uh, feeling to that song, and your voice is just beautiful mm-hmm. over it. And it, Thank it, you. It's very, it's kind of an, of an eerie guitar, uh, I guess, chord choices in yeah. that. It kind of reminds me of a little bit of Mother Love Bone, uh, one of their songs mm-hmm. they have uh, as well. Interesting. I think it was the, the Ch- uh, Shiloh, or I forget the can't name. Remember yeah, but anyway, oh, okay. Chloe or something like that, one of their songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's a beautiful song, and I, I just want to ask you about it because I just think it's just a, a remarkable song. It's a masterpiece song. for sure, for sure. Thank you. You've been so generous with your time, and, and we definitely want to plug the album one more time. I want to say something mm-hmm. to you. Oh, there are some more questions. What are they? Oh, yeah. are, are you wanting to stay on a little bit? I can, I can do this. Oh, we, have, we have a lot of people watching uh, the stream right now, and they have uh, some well, amazing let's questions. Let's, have, let's uh, answer some questions. So and let's sweet. Take okay. Um, any, any more material from him and Lynch, from you and Lynch? Oh. Yeah, we're talking about a new album. And um, this this album, all three of us decided that this record has got to be the record. You know, um, when it comes to just songs that, um, you know, I shouldn't say hit songs, but, you know, they really want to focus on melodies and words this time. You know, I mean, I always write the words and I always write the melodies. They don't come near me. I won't let them. Mm-hmm. You know, I said, this is my area. I'm doing it. But um they said let's let's you know kind of collaborate a little bit which would be a good thing you know and and there's all and i'm always up for upping things and finding a new uh, angle so that's a big deal for us is we're, we're trying to write some really cool songs that the masses might buy you know by the masses <laughs> Right. If that makes any sense. No, it does. Um, you know, we're not we're not phoning it in, and it's not going to be you know fake. It's 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 going to be what we do. You know, I mean, I've written over five hundred songs, so it's like I'm ready to get up here and just try to explore some more. Sure. We did have a uh, question from our mm-hmm. good, good buddy, and he's a he's a regular viewer, Tim Hewitt. He says you did some Hi, guest. Tim. Vo- hey, Tim, you did some guest vocals on Roxanne's last two albums. How did yeah. that come about? Oh well. um, 
Jamie does all the KXM videos, and that's how we became friends. And uh, later on, I found out that Jamie's been to every King's X show in L.A., and he's a big King's X fan. And so, you know, he asked me to sing on Go Fuck Yourself. Right. And um, um, so I did. Um, it's funny because I never... I always said I would never say fucking a song unless I put Jesus in it too, just because I like the dichotomy of it, and I, I like to just, just annoy people. But um, we—he asked me to sing on the record. And I go sure, and so I never listened to the song. I didn't pay attention. I'm always busy, and all of a sudden he calls me and says, "You want you, you ready to sing on this song?" And I go, "Yeah." So I go out to the studio. He plays me the song. And I'm going, "Go fuck yourself," and I'm going. Okay, that's something that I don't normally do. And I said, so, so who's who's singing that part? He goes, you are. Oh man. And I and I sat and they're going, okay, I'm not going to tell you. Say no. I'm going to go for it. And someone just suffer the consequences if Kings X fans have a problem with it, you know, or whatever, you know. It's like that's the way it is. And I did it. It became a big deal, a good big deal for most people. I mean, yeah. it was like people loved it, and I'm going. Okay, so I'm a little bit, I, I guess, you know, coming, growing up in a Christian world and how you're judged 24 hours a day and, and, and even not being in that world for the last couple decades, I still have that mentality where I don't want to offend anyone in a way that's just blatantly offending them. If I'm going to offend someone, I want a reason for it. I want to back it up. You know, yeah. I just don't want to just say something just to annoy them. What's what to you to that? If I'm gonna annoy you, I want you to learn something. Um, and but uh, on this song, it just it was it was like it showed me that it's okay, Doug. You can be yourself. You don't have to censor everything that you do. It's at this point in your life, you are who you are. You do what you do, and if people don't like it, screw it. Jason Fritz, who's uh, in who's in the chat room, he. This is brings up since you're talking about this. He asks, uh, the early work has a lot of spiritual influence. If I remember mm-hmm. correctly, their CDs were in the Christian music section. Uh, yes. Two questions. First, do they think that hurt their ability to sell records? Because I believe that they should have been much bigger. Secondly, did they renounce their faith? I've read that they have, but I was wondering if he would be willing to speak about this. Yeah, I think it did hinder... Uh, like I was saying about the Rolling Stone interview, you know, so it did hinder us in some ways, but yet it didn't hinder Striper. So, you know, we could argue all day over that. Um, um, but uh, what was the second part of it? Um, Secondly, did they renounce their faith? I read where oh, they we didn't, have. We didn't renounce. We didn't. We never renounced anything. Um, like made an official say we're not Christians anymore. Um, you know, we're not believers anymore, and we just kind of morphed into it through the years. I mean, just remember that was 30 some years ago when we were like gung ho Jesus freaks. And, um, and through the, through the years we've seen, we see life a little differently and our belief systems have changed. Um, I did come out in a Christian magazine. Um, I think I did it on purpose. We were talking and I was doing an interview and I, I kind of, they were going at the, the, from the religious aspect. And I thought, you know, there's so much hypocrisy here. I don't know how to deal with this, and I don't want to want to get crazy here. So I just said, "Well, I'm gay," and wow, it was like that was the that was the crux of it. And the Christian bookstores all took our records out, 
and it was over for us in the Christian world. And um, we were happy about that. Um, we talk about it because that at that point we realized that we can now go do what we want to do and not worry about this. You know, uh, the, the judgment. I mean, people will come up and go, you're not giving altar calls after your show, you know, you're not Christian, you don't love Jesus. And I'm going, what's that got to do with anything? Yeah. You know, and, and I realized when I used to be in that world, it was so important to to bring everybody to Christ. And what I missed was just being who you are and they'll come to Christ if they see something in you that they yes. see that's real. Yes. You can't talk anybody into believing anything. And I talked a lot of people into coming to Jesus. And I've talked a lot of people to come out of it, too, sadly enough. I hate to say it that way, but, you know, I brought a lot of people to Christ, and I brought a lot of people out of the world, that, that world later on. So it's like, logically, I look at everything logically. Um I'm a very spiritual and emotional person, so I, I feel deeply. But as an IMFJ, I I see both sides of the situation, and I feel them so acutely that sometimes I think I'm crazy. And 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 being a when I was a Christian growing up in that world, something wasn't right. I watched people doing what they did and they, their hands in there and they're praising God and they're jumping around in there, you know, all the antics that were going on around me and I wasn't feeling it. And I would pray, I'd go and I'd pray, God, why am I not feeling it? Why, what's going on, you know? And I realized that I have a personality that is in another spot of, of the psyche and, and, <clears throat> I can't, I can't subscribe to it now. It's not, it is, for me, it's a, it hinders me finding the energy and the truth that is available. You know, when you put, when you put rules on something, when you put a name on something, and when you put someone in a container and say, you have to stay here, believe this, do this, um, I, I can't do that. I've never been able to do that. Yeah. If you say this is the way it is and you can't change that, I go, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense to me. Let me find out what's the other angle. And then let me decide whether it's true to me or not. And somebody said to me one time, he says, well, even though you don't believe whatever that means, um, what are you going to, what do you think God's going to say to you when you die and, and, and have to stand before him? And I said, well, God is probably going to say, hey, come on in. I was right. You were wrong. It's all good. Because for me, it's not angst or anger against religion or God. To me, it's like I'm just seeking truth that works and that, that rings in my heart as truth and, and, and seeing results. And so that's all I can see. And if God, and not, not if. God, if he exists, and he is a God that everyone talks about, the loving, kind God that understands and knows all and sees all, then I'm okay because he knows exactly why I feel the way I do and why I've come to the conclusion I've come to and what's happened in my life that brought me to that conclusion. I have no problem with that, and I'm better off than most, I believe, you know, because my heart 
is pure when it comes to that. I just want to I want to offer you something, Doug. I hope you don't mind me me stepping yeah, in here. Um, I I'm a believer and I just want mm-hmm. to apologize to you for the hurt and rejection and pushing away that you felt from the Christian community. Uh, that is a story too often told and too often heard when people feel, feel more welcomed in a bar than a church. Mm-hmm. The church is doing something right. wrong. So on behalf of Christians, I, I do apologize. I've, you know, I tell you, Christians have hurt me too, but man, I've had some atheists knock the hell out of me as well. And mm-hmm. I I think it's just a it's the human being condition where we have a choice mm-hmm. to either demolish each other or build right. each other up and i think if right. you follow the principles of christ love conquers mm-hmm. all yes, and that's really does. where we're supposed to be exactly and you know and i say the atheists too you know i'm sorry but just because you say there is no god doesn't mean shitty you know, mm. it's like, you know, like they know, or like, who know? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. And you're a fucking idiot if you think you do. If whatever you believe, you live your life, you live it the best you can, you do the best you can, and you have peace in your heart and you go do it. But don't tell me that this is the, this is the un- infallible truth, because there, we don't know. No one's come back and told us and those two have you can you can argue it was the brain it was the oxygen leaving it was the hallucination you can make up anything because there is no answer either you believe it and you live it or you don't and you live your life you know and at the end of the end end of the day when we die we will find out until then the point is mute as far as i'm concerned you know and, and some of my best friends are Christians, and I love them to death. And we don't argue about anything. They pray for me, and sure. I love them. And they're not down on me about it right. because they know me. This is the thing about that I love about the Christians that, that know me and love me is they know me. They know what I've been through. They know how I see the world. We've had our conversations in depth about how we believe, what's brought us to this, this place or that place. And they look at me and go, I get you, Doug. I might not believe the way you believe, but I get why you believe that way, and I love you, and we're good. And if we could all do that, the world would be so much better, but instead, you got to follow the rules, you know, in so many ways. I love you, brother, and I and I am going to pray for you. And thanks. We can agree to disagree, but yeah. I, I love you, and I love your music, and I thank you for well, what I you've given say, the world. Whatever you're praying, whatever you're praying, if God answers it, then you know more power to you and i'm excited you got it (laughs) hey man you have been so generous and so kind i want to make sure people get uh, let me let me pull up some dates you guys Mm -hmm. announced some new dates today now these were already up we'll get we'll get to the newly announced dates here in a minute but you guys are going to be in um let's see is that milwaukee or minnesota um, or Michigan. Or Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. I've got to check that stuff out. I don't you, pay attention. Well, you guys are up there in the Midwest somewhere, and then you're down in Texas in May, and then you have some dates in New Mexico and Colorado yeah. in June. Then these mm-hmm. just got announced just earlier this evening, uh, some July dates. You guys will be over in North Carolina, Tennessee, no. and Georgia. And, uh, I just learned that from you. Yeah, yeah. Get it. Get your base ready to go. This, this is why we're here. We're here to serve well, you, we, man. I, 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 we've got some gigs in one, two, three, about twelve or about a week, and okay. so I'm starting to I'm starting to go over the songs and trying to work myself up and get get myself going. And we're cool. playing Chicago area, playing for my family, and 
I got a lot of relatives. They all want to come, and so it's going to be fun. If you had to choose one, playing live or recording in the studio, which one would it be? It's only one. Well, it used to. It used to be. It used to be live mm-hmm. because nothing like playing live studio you're just under the microscope and it's like it it brought out everything i hated about myself but i have switched lately and i would rather be in a studio now because i can get what i want in a studio and live the difference for me live is i can still play like i always played but vocally um i'm 72 and mm-hmm. you know your voice doesn't you know, it just keeps going down and down and down. That's what happens to all of us. Sure. And I've had to, I've had to relearn uh, singing, and I've had to stop doing a lot of songs that I just couldn't pull off anymore. Um, and the, and the, the hardest thing is to hear someone go, "Why do these old rockers still go out there and sing when they clearly can't do it anymore?" Mm-hmm. And that's that. I I, I run. I don't want someone to have to say that about me. So I'm at a transition point in my life right now where I'm not as I'm not singing the way I want to sing. Now other people might go, oh man, you still got it and you, the passion's there and we love what you do. But I know the struggle that I go through trying to do what I used to do mm-hmm. without without any effort. Now it's it just takes so much sure. to get that vocal track and get it on pitch. And, you know, I, I used to have an impeccable pitch. I mean, I passed my music theory class because I sang an acapella song in C and ended it in the last note with C and I didn't even waver. You know, I was, my pitch was so good. And, you know, I, vocally, you know, I, I, I was a great singer in, 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 in my own right. And now I go, I look back and go, I can't do that anymore. Mm. And I took it for granted. Sure. So right now, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm seriously dealing with it. You know, mm. even, even going out on tour right now, it's like we're, we're tailor making the sets. Um, Ty and Jerry are singing more. Uh, mm. I'm singing less songs that I wrote and more song and letting Ty sing more stuff that he sang. Cause it's just not working. Mm. Um, and I just think, well, if we, if I just back off a little bit, you know, people forgiving, they'll, they'll they love me anyway, and we'll do yes. what we do. But uh, it's really, really hard. Um, and always, you know, I ask anybody who's old. I mean, my legs hurt. You know, I, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying. Everything's yeah. yes, falling do. apart in some ways. And so, <laughs> and so, playing wise is the same way. And I want to be relevant. I want to go out and still wow the crowd like i used to well you still um, look great man yeah, and the, the bass looks great on you still <laughs> so just keep doing you do, keep doing what you guys do and Bless we thank you guys so we thank you guys for putting out new music yes. and thank for you. you coming on thank our you. stream and if you would you know our streams on on youtube and and our facebook and twitter and all that mm-hmm. if you can reshare that for us help help, uh, help us out a little bit that would be oh, amazing and no uh, everyone in the chat room is is loving this interview yes. and we have nothing but love for you and uh Certainly. just go out there and kick thanks, ass everybody. thanks You're everybody awesome. for chiming in and your questions and stuff and we love you doug pinnick thank you so much for joining us on tulsa music stream we'll catch up with you down the road everybody go okay. pick up three sides of one support these guys they are still out there grinding and doing a great job we love you man we'll talk to you soon all right thanks buddy Bye. bye-bye awesome nice guy
Whew. That was a lot. That was a lot. Wow. A lot, a lot of questions, wasn't it? I love him. I do. I think he's a good soul. I think he's been mistreated, and it breaks my heart that people didn't treat him better along the way. But we have we have love for him now. Yeah, we treated him. I hope we gave him all the respect and love that, that uh, he knows that not only we feel, but the people watching this show. You know, there was more excitement about uh, the announcement of this episode than some of our more commercially successful artists so it just shows that sometimes if your band isn't huge it it doesn't matter it's it's the level of impact you have that was kind of part of when i was saying you know they have a a cult following like kiss and you know or uh, rush you know that fan base is just strong and thick and they will always you know be by that band side and and their fans are a lot like that too yeah and uh so yeah, I mean, I, I I hear their music and I listen to their, their their voices and everything, and it just seems like something big should have happened for those guys. It feels know? like it. I mean, I think there are a handful of bands that just, they should have been bigger than they were, and those guys definitely fall in that category. For those of you who aren't big fans of religious talk, sorry about that. Uh, I kind of had a feeling we were going to go down that path, and I wanted to say my piece. You all know what, what I believe, and I'm always going to stand up for that, but I'm always going to be respectful of differing beliefs and other people's beliefs, but... Uh, my experience in life is you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I look at re- religious folks like the kind that have burned Doug Pinnock as the bathwater. Don't throw out the baby. That's my belief. But we love him and we will support him. And man, I, I wanted to talk more about Jimmy and these great pictures. Go to DougNation.net. Jimmy Fusen, our, our good friend who's taken pictures of our band and so many bands. He's got just a, a really neat section of pictures of Doug on there. Um, and I was glad to get to share. Yeah, there's one there. And then this one. This one is the one that just grabbed me because, man, I mean, that's a King's X fan base right now, right there. They just they just love love yeah. Doug and love those guys. So this was a fun one, guys. We appreciate yeah. you all tuning in on Monday night. It's a little late. We're going to kind of pick up the pace yeah. here. We're kind of we're putting uh, <clears throat> kind of putting Tulsa on the rock and roll map. You we're know, trying. one stream at a time with rock solid interviews. But man, that was you said that with your smooth radio voice. That was good. Remember, guys, you can always see us. Dang it. I always go to the wrong one first. You can always see us live or the replays on our Tulsa Music Stream YouTube channel. Please subscribe and hit the notification bell. Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. Just look for Tulsa Music Stream. If audio is your thing without the video, check us out on Spotify, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Let's talk about what we've got coming up. Keeps rolling, and we're having a great time doing it. Tuesday, April 11th at 8 p.m. Central, Steve Lynch of Autograph will be joining us Wednesday, April 26th at 8 p.m. Central. James Kotak of Kingdom Come, ex-Scorpions, will be with us. And then this one, we just firmed it up today. This is going to be amazing. Ronnie Tintin Yonkins. I have to work on pronunciation of that. I think it's Yonkins. No, I've heard people say Yonkins of Kicks. He will be on with us Friday, a Friday night TMS party, May 19th at 8 p.m. Central. And he's got, um, he's got a really neat story too. I think he's been through some hard times. Yeah, he is. We'll talk about his new band. I want to find out. I hope we can ask what his current status is with kicks. We don't know. Do we guess we'll we'll find out? We'll get it all out. 
Thank you to our sponsors, Oki PC, DEB Concerts, Identity Merch, GregShipman.com, Psychomo Filmworks. Um, guys, if you don't mind, please uh, go to our Facebook page, Tulsa Music Stream. It would really help us out if you would buy a shirt. And the way you can do that is go to the top left section of that Facebook page and click on our website link, and it'll take you to where you can pick up a shirt. We need to get some shirts moving and get uh, Todd Cook out at Identity Merch printing some TMS stuff for us. Other than that, uh, Teresa, do you want to stay off camera or come on? It's up to you. I just want people to understand how important it is for you guys to share our stuff, hit our notification, but more importantly, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We want to get to a thousand sub subscriptions. Yes. 500 right now would be amazing. And then it'd go all downhill from there. So hit subscribe to our YouTube channel, help us uh, build that thing. And, um, you know, the bigger we get, uh, the more interviews and bigger, bigger artists we can bring on and, and, and keep this thing alive. So, you know, without you guys, this simply does not work. It's so. true. And I want to give a shout out to Teresa. She is on cam right now with us. We have the split cam going. She was uh, traveling all weekend, made a point to be here tonight. I know she's tired. God love you, girl. We thank you for coming. And she helps us with the transcript and does stuff that you guys don't even see her doing. But it counts and it matters. We are missing nine tonight. He's at band practice again. He's busy with Josie Scott's band. They're getting ready for their their road shows shows out on the road so you guys be watching for that and uh he'll be back on with us when we interview steve lynch i have nothing else unless you guys want to say something you got anything any words of wisdom None. zero zilch not today (laughs) (laughs) say hello to everybody all right good to see you guys thanks for coming yes thank you all have a wonderful week guys thank you again and we'll see you back here very soon on tulsa music stream Tell your friends about this one. I think you'll want to watch the replay. We love you. Good night. Stacey Lodigan says, hey, Teresa Gaddy. Love you, girly. Aw, so (laughs) sweet. You guys have a good one. We'll see you soon. Good night. Good night.